glass of beer and talk about uh, all the things we can. So spare a minute of your time. Oh, it's time for embracing the waves, pairing beer with letting go. Today, we pair beer with wakeboarding. This intense water sport cost me hurt ribs, pulled muscles, and a bruised ego before I could stand up properly and enjoy the view. Consequently, pairing a beer style with such a demanding activity took thought and time. And looking back, perhaps the reason wakeboarding was so difficult for me is that I was trying too hard. I resisted the waves beneath me. I refused to let go. Let's explore that thought a little, shall we? Sit back, crack open a beer, and let the waves carry you forward. I stare at a vacant Google search bar. My mind is blank. What was it called? I literally just did it a week ago. It, it was water... Water something. Uh, what was the board I was on? What was... I, I type in waterboarding. And nope. That was not it. Um, it's an actual story. <laughs> it actually it actually happened to me. No, it was not waterboarding. It suddenly comes to me. Wakeboarding. Flashes of numerous crashes and wipeouts go through my mind. My bruised ribs pulsate with a dull pain. Man, that was hard, I say to myself. After my encounter with Skunk Ape deep in the Everglades... I felt extremely confident going into the next pairing episode. For whatever reason, wakeboarding, basically in my mind slow snowboarding, in water, behind a boat, seemed really easy. I planned the tricks I would do and the maneuvers I would do in my head, but man, I've never been more wrong in my entire life. It is hard. I pull my van into a crowded dock. And by crowded, I mean many seagulls and pelicans are rushing around for their next meal. I glance down into the water and see two massive fish swimming around. I audibly gulp and then head towards the boat I'm meant to meet my captain at. I'm early, so I look through the beers I bought to pass the time. The three beer styles we are considering pairing with wakeboarding today are, number one, the American Pale Ale, you've heard that one before from me. Number two, the Shandy. And number three, finally, the California Common. We'll talk about each style in detail in a minute. But for now, let's head to the water. I stow my phone, wallet, and beers away as we head further into the brackish water. It's a nice day. The captain slash wakeboarding teacher is friendly and fun to talk to. As we talk, I'm anticipating being a natural. I'm serious. This is where my head was at. When done, I wanted the captain to say, you know, man, I never tell anyone this, but goddamn, you might be the best wakeboarder I've ever seen. That is the mindset I carried with me as we slowed down and I reached our launching point. We walk towards the back of the boat. The captain explains the gear and proper technique as I strap both feet into the small and narrow snowboard-skateboard-sized, like, vessel. He ends his talk with saying, All right, man, jump right in. I realize I had not been paying attention 
I think about the two mysterious large fish as I jump into the murky water. Now seems like a good time to go through our beer pairings for the day, starting with the podcast favorite, the American Pale Ale, 30 to 50 IBU and 4.4 to 5.4 ABV. As mentioned in previous episodes, the American Pale Ale was first inspired by the English Pale Ale, replacing the English counterpart's preference for earthy hops for more of a citrus pine-like variety. It is a medium-bodied beer that often has hints of caramel and a toasted maltiness. But honestly, what I think makes the American Pale Ale so special is the variety and the unrelenting willingness for brewers to bend what it means to brew and drink in American Pale Ale. It is a style that falls perpetually short or far above its ideal interpretation. For that reason, and for its general drinkability and balance between malt and hops, I think the American Pale Ale would be a great pairing for wakeboarding. But, alas, we have two more beers to consider. Next, we have the Shandy at around 4.2 ABV, usually. Very low bitterness. The word Shandy comes from the old British name Shandy Gaff, a drink that was first mentioned in the 1850s relating to a beer mixed with ginger ale. But... The modern incarnation of this style was inspired on the fly by a man named Franz Kugler, a Bavarian taproom owner who, after taking stock of his dwindling beer supplies, began mixing his beer with a clear lemonade soda he had trouble selling. And with that, the Rattler, which translates to cyclist, was born. Today, Rattler and Shandy are used almost interchangeably in the United States, even though the differences between them once held some importance. For our purposes today, we will use the term shandy. As for the shandy characteristics, shandies are a beer that has been blended with some lemonade, ginger beer, and other citrus sodas. The color of this beer is often dependent upon what the beer is mixed with. And also, it's important to mention, it is highly carbonated, usually. So, there's a bit of fluctuation here with the shandy. You might be tempted to think of Kugel when thinking of the shandy. And yeah, you'd pretty much be right. It makes up for over 70% of the retail sales, but you'd be hard-pressed to avoid a shandy in the summer at your local brewery. It is an easy-drinking beer for an easy-going day. For this reason, I think the shandy would also pair nicely with wakeboarding. And last but not least, we have the California Common at 35 to 45 IBU and 4.6 to 5.7 ABV. Also referred to as steam beer and made famous by San Francisco's Anchor Brewing Company. As we get into the history of this beer, I will quote an article by M. Sauter of AlcoholProfessor.com. Quote, During the gold rush, beer was produced to slack the thirst of many patrons who flocked to see their fortune, and by 1900, there were two dozen breweries in San Francisco making a beer known locally as steam beer. Why is it called steam beer? Well, I've heard a couple of theories from the steam the keg produced when tapped to the clouds above the brewery since they cooled their wort in what were called conditioning vessels on the roof that would create clouds of steam jutting from the brewery. End quote. See, there's always a story to any beer. Anyway, this newer style is brewed with lager yeast but fermented at ale temperatures. It is usually light amber and a little clear with medium to fast rising bubbles. It has a noticeable caramel-type malt flavor that should be present, and the hop flavor is low, 
a kind of medium and may be present as woody, rustic, or, in a lot of people say this, minty, which could be refreshing. The sound of the boat brings us back to the murky water. The captain throws me the handle I'm meant to hold on to. I use my arms to swim towards it. My feet are kind of preoccupied. After some time, I grab the handle and signal that I'm ready. The captain then tells me to get into the fetal-like position he told me to get into. I say, gotcha, not mentioning the fact that I had not been paying attention during the technique portion of his lecture. The boat engine turns on. I'm ready for this, I think to myself. I feel friction at the base of my board. It's happening, I think to myself as I faceplant hard into the water. The ensuing attempts that followed can only be described as one of the most frustrating and at times painful uh, times in recent memory. What follows is literally a compilation of every crash for the next 30 minutes. All right, so the following recording was sped up three times for my convenience and your own, honestly. There's a tiny noise at the beginning of each wipeout. That is me saying, ready. Of course, I was not. Enjoy. Suffice to say, it was not, um, how do you say, going well. My body ached. Every time I tried to modify my form or my mentality in some way, I would just crash again. Why haven't I been able to even stand up yet? I think to myself. As the captain came around for what felt like, and might have actually been the 40th time, he stopped. He leaned over the front of the boat and calmly said, Man, you're trying too hard. What does that mean? As I grab the handle to go again. Let's talk wakeboarding, shall we? I will be using and quoting a blog written by Superboats, a large participant in the water sports world, from my knowledge, and will include a link in the footnotes of the episode. Everything has to start somewhere. And before wakeboarding, there was water skiing, which was, and I quote, invented in the 1920s by Ralph Samuelson, who was considered the father of the sport. He used two wooden planks as skis and a rope attached to a motorboat to pull himself across the water. Water skiing quickly became a popular pastime, and the first official water ski tournament was held in 1949. As the popularity of water skiing grew, so did the demand for boats specifically designed for the sport. In the early days, water skiing boats were often modified versions of the original boats. However, as the sport became more competitive, boat manufacturers began to create boats specifically designed for water skiing. These boats were typically built with a V-shaped hull and a powerful engine, which provided the speed and stability needed for water skiing. End quote. Enter water not waterboarding. Enter. <laughs> Enter. My goodness. Enter wakeboarding, which can trace its origins 
to the 1980s when a group of water ski enthusiasts began experimenting with new ways to ride behind a boat. One of the earliest forms of wakeboarding was called scurfing with a K, which required the so-called scurfer to ride on a surfboard behind a boat using a rope and handle. Scurfing quickly gained popularity among water sports enthusiasts, and the name of the sport was changed to skiboarding. And after a few changes to the design of the boards, among other things, they decided to change the name to the World Wakeboarding Association in 1991. So, wakeboarding continued to grow in popularity, and it began to evolve and diversify. Riders started to develop new tricks and styles, and consequently, with the advancement of technology, wakeboards and boats have become more efficient and versatile, allowing riders, not myself included, to push the limits of what is possible on the water. But I will say this, and this is what the article ends with. Quote, Despite its extreme nature, wakeboarding is accessible to riders of all skill levels and can be enjoyed even by those who can't swim. End quote. Let's get back to our boat. I fall. And fall. And fall. And fall. And fall again. <laughs> Between swallowing copious amounts of brackish water and consistently hitting the water pretty hard... I barely have time to think about what I'm pairing with what I'm doing. Then, after a particularly brutal landing, I stop pedaling my arms. I lay down, exhausted, belly up, of course, <laughs> and I let my life jacket carry me through the flowing water. This feels nice. The captain's voice enters my mind. Man, you're trying too hard. That's it. I've been fighting and trying to manipulate what I've been doing, and I never let go. I never had fun. I need to let the wave do the work and just relax. I slowly float back to the handle as the captain and his boat float past me. Are you good? He says to me. Yep, just one more. I knew this had to be one of our last runs. We'd been at this for almost an hour. The captain says, all right, one more, and we'll head in. All right. Man, this is it, I say to myself, as I get into the necessary starting fetal position I now knew. Just let go. Let go, have fun, even if you fall. The boat starts. I close my eyes, prepping for the pain, and to everyone's astonishment, including my own, I'm traveling with the boat. The mangrove trees on either side float by. I bend down and touch the passing wave and start to laugh. I will be honest. I got back into the boat, and initially, for the first time in my knowledge... Beer didn't sound great. <laughs> it could have been the seawater. It could have been because I was out of breath. It could have been my sore ribs or arms or rest of my body. Who is to say? But we had a 30-minute boat ride back. And on the way, I was able to take a breath. I looked around and reflected 
on the three beers in my bag. The rushing water fades around me as I reach down and I grab the shandy. Okay, so I know what you're thinking. Noah, you try to pair the pale ale with every activity you fucking do. And I know, uh, I'm sorry, but let me explain my reasoning. Okay, so going into this, I was sure, almost positive, I'd pick the American pale ale. I was ready to have it picked, shelved, and never mentioned again on pairing episodes. But here's the funny thing, and I think it ties neatly into the theme of this week's episode. What you think is going to happen and what ends up happening are often very two different things. It's a part of life. Don't fight the wave. So here's the reasoning. The pale ale has a great balance between malts and hops, as mentioned, and it has a nice citrus hop profile, which would be refreshing after doing something physical. But I also enjoyed the role of the pale ale in the American beer scene. How brewers never back down from trying to find some unique version of the American pale ale. The many times I fell, failed, reminded me of this. But when it comes down to it, sometimes there's a more historical, meaningful reason for my picking a certain style. And sometimes it's entirely practical. I'm just going to say it. It's this. Seawater doesn't pair well with hops for me, personally. And the moment I got back on that boat, I knew that if I recommended pale ales, and somebody brings only pale ales on their wakeboarding trip and found it disgusting, it would be my fault and I'd get a lot of angry emails. So, with that said, it was between the California Common and the Shandy. Both styles are unique and have value in their own way. And it simply came down to that feeling I get when I'm back in my hometown of Dubuque, Iowa, shout out there, on a hot summer day by the river. I just want whatever is the most refreshing. And that, my friends, on this day and others, would be the shandy. Which, I'll add, goes rather swimmingly with a couple gallons of brackish water. I'll leave you with this final reflection of my own. I've actually been sitting on this episode for a while, in part because I didn't necessarily enjoy myself the way that I thought I would for 97% of it. <laughs> it was so hard for me. But sometimes, I don't know, whoever and whatever you're going through, sometimes the best way forward is to just embrace the wave and let it carry you forward, even though you're having a tough time. Suddenly, you'll close your eyes, stand up, and you'll be riding the wave with a shandy in your hand. Thank you so much for listening to the Beer Nomad Podcast. If you found value in this, please rate and subscribe wherever you're listening now. Also, you can follow me uh, visually on my Instagram at the Beer Nomad Van. That's it for this week. Drink good shandies and be good to each other. Cheers. Cheers.